When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, we're going to go on a musical journey and count down a criminally good top five. As a backup singer, there's more to it, I guess, than just the music part of it. There's also, I guess, a look and an energy on stage. I mean, like Frozen 2, sure. I knew that was going to be a big one. And those those were probably the most stressful sessions to date for me of my life like that was more nerve-wracking for me to go into that room and sing on that that movie than being in a stadium singing in front of 20,000 people as Miley Cyrus's backup singer there were so many screaming kids it was just kids and like glow sticks for days and miles and it was amazing I want to thank you guys so much for joining us if you get a chance like Download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So our first guest has done just an incredible amount of stuff in the music business. And she's someone that you have probably seen and heard and just not realized it. Because she's been on tour with everybody from Miley Cyrus, Sheryl Crow, Willie Nelson, and appeared in movies like Rogue One and Frozen 2. This is backup and session singer, Sarah Mann. What essentially are you doing? Like, what's the purpose of having a backup singer? I mean, the music has been pre-recorded, usually, and there are already harmonies and things that have that are on that record. So then if you go live and you go see the concert, you kind of, your ear is used to hearing whatever you heard on, you know, on that record. You're used to hearing the melody line and then there's boos and ahs and all sorts of stuff and obviously the lead singer can't do that on his or her own so then there are backup singers backup singers fill in the other harmonies and the other parts that are that were written in the song but i just wanted to add as a backup singer there's more to it i guess than just the music part of it there's also i guess a look and an energy on stage you know there's there are um, stereotypical backup singers that are, you know, we're dancing and we're smiling and we're in tight, you know, maybe some are in little black dresses and, you know, there's kind of like a stigma to it where it's, it's also adding part of the show. So there's, there's that as well. Um, part of the entertainment of it. Um, in regard to what I'm doing now, I, I do less backup singing than I did 10 years ago because I'm a mom now and I have kids for the past at least 10 years, I've been more of a session singer doing, uh, recording stuff in studio instead of going out on the road. I don't go, I don't tour as much. I do a little bit, but not like I used to. So a session, a session, (laughs) I'll I'll be able to pronounce this eventually. A (laughs) session singer is, is, is what basically? A session singer is a studio singer where basically we are, we go into a recording studio or like right now we're singing from home in our own home studios and there's either music put down in front of you and you sing what the composer wrote or you're singing 
you know, some backgrounds that maybe you came up with on your own or were discussed and you're recording it into a microphone as, you know, versus being on stage live singing. Um, session singing also, you know, when you hear, when you're watching a movie, um, there's, you know, choir going on in, in the background in the score. I don't know if, if you've ever noticed that or not. Um, but that is, there's a group of singers that's actually recording that choir sound. I was looking at that at your bio. You've worked in some really big movies recently. I mean, Alita, Venom, Predator, Rogue One. Like that's, that's all. Yeah, those are all choir. Those are all big, big choirs with lots of lots of singers. So if you ever go back and listen, you'll go, oh, because when I was younger, I sang on a couple things when I was in elementary school, like Home Alone. I sang on those movies, and that was um, that was my first. I was well. First of all, I was in choir when I was in elementary school and high school and college, so I learned how to, you know, that's how to blend. And you know, you start reading music when you're young and doing that. And then I had a choir teacher at my high school who knew uh, the vocal contractors in town, who knew the composers in town, and they said, "Well, we need some kids to sing on a couple films." And so I was chosen with a couple other kids to go and sing, you know, like "Hark How the Bell Sweet Summer Bells," like that kind of stuff. So I did it when I was younger, and then my career kind of changed. I wanted to be on Broadway in the middle after after high school, and then I decided I wanted – and then I fell into backup singing and, you know. Can you go back in, and can you pick out your voice like that? that's me on Rogue One? That's me right there. Oh, no, not at all. There are uh, – no, not for something like that. There are movies that I can, that, but I was paid, you know – more as a, or hired more as a soloist. I have some friends that do, I think, um, a lot of like, I'm not a soprano, but a lot of sopranos, um, there's more solo opportunities for choir film work, solo stuff. Like there'd be one beautiful lilting soprano voice kind of, um, you know, soaring above the others. You've probably heard that in a film, maybe not even realized it just to, I'm not going to demonstrate it because that's not my forte, but um, that is something where you would be able to go, Oh, that's me. You know, that's me. I got to do that. Um, I don't do that. That that's not my, my wheelhouse, but I, I've done a lot of voices and stuff. So there are times, there are things like, for example, sing the movie sing. And I know you have kids. There are, um, I did, I did a lot of different little voices in that movie with a couple girls and we did primarily the, the most well-known one are the three bunnies that go, Oh my gosh, look at her butt. I know, if I, you, know ex- yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So that's a, that's a moment where the first girl that talks the way that they mixed it, we didn't, I didn't know for sure who was, we didn't know who was going to get picked for what, but the way they mixed it in that movie, the first bunny is me. And then the second bunny is another girl. And the, third bunny is another girl and we did so that so that first bunny i know is my voice so i can always go that's me um and then we also did the spiders and we were there's these little foxes that come out and they sing um i think in japanese they're like kira 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 they do this they keep trying to audition to be in the show in the movie and that's us we did um we did a handful of of stuff and we sang backgrounds on all those songs um so yeah, that's a movie where I'm like, oh, that's me. I can hear me. Um, there's some Disney like Teen Beach. Those I don't know, but like you know those kind of movies where um, teen I can't talk <laughs> TV movies where um, 
you know, once in a while, like I might have been alone on my part, which is an alto part or something. And I'll go, oh, that's me. Cause I was the only one singing that note, but I'm the only person that would really know that really, you know, um, a, a recent thing that's kind of cool is frozen Two, the making of that's on Disney plus they, uh, we sang on that. There were some different sessions with group singers. And if you watch the making of you, you'll see me in there which was kind of fun because I know they had cameras on us. And so now I don't know what episode, episode three or four. And there's, um, there's a, a couple shots of the choir and you know, I'm standing in there. So when you go into these different projects, like, do you yeah. know if it's going to be a big thing or not going um, into it? Not always. No. I mean, you, obviously you hope that you mean big thing, meaning monetarily speaking, I would say just overall, right? Like it's going to be big. A lot of people are going to pay attention and it's going to be financially rewarding. I mean, like Frozen 2, sure. I knew that was going to be a big one. And those, those were probably the most stressful sessions to date for me of my life. Like that was more nerve wracking for me to go into that room and sing on that, that movie than being in a stadium singing in front of 20,000 people as Miley Cyrus's backup singer. Like that, that wasn't like singing in a recording studio for frozen two was more scary for me, but that's probably because of the stigma with that movie. Um, but we, we don't, a lot of the times we don't know what we're going to go into sing the day we go in. We have no idea what it is. They don't generally try not to tell you just for, you know, NDA purposes, you go in and then there's usually some kind of announcement like this is what you're singing on today. Sometimes, you know, ahead of time. So I'll be real direct. Like how much do you get paid for this? <laughs> that all varies. Uh, it depends on if it's a, if it's a film or, uh, if it's TV, it pays differently. If it's a, a giant choir of singers, you get paid less than if it's just you by yourself, you know, a solo, there's a solo singer scale and then there's a three to six. And then, you know, are you asking like specific numbers? Sure. If you want to give them. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I know them off the top of my head. It sounds basically like a comfortable living. Um, well, that depends on how often you get to work. Um, if you, if you're doing one session and honestly, I do think many of us have other jobs that we do. For example, my ex-husband and I opened two restaurants together while I was on tour as a backup singer for Miley Cyrus. So while that was being a backup singer certainly paid the bills and was able to, um, support both of us during that time, he was able to go open the restaurants while I was on the road singing. Um, but now, I mean, there are times when I'm not on the road, you're not making any money at all. So that money, usually, you know, you have to be smart with it, put it in the bank. If you go on tour for three months, you're not going to go on tour again, right after that. An artist generally tours, maybe a couple times a year, or maybe one big tour a year, and then they go home and they record a whole record. And then they release that record and then they have to do promo for it. And then maybe comes a tour, assuming that the record does well, or if, you know, if it's a big artist, there's always a tour, but those are like once a year kind of things. So you're making a big chunk of money for three months and that's all you have for that year. Let's say if that's the only artist that you work for, this is the backup singing world I'm talking about. So, you know, having another job is not a bad idea. The same thing goes for session singing. If you do one session or maybe two sessions a month, maybe you're making, 
maybe you're making $500 on that day for that one session. And maybe the next time you did it, you made another 500. So that's, you made a thousand dollars that month. You probably need another job, whether, whether it's residuals coming in from other sessions you did, or you sing in a choir that pays, or you teach on the side. I think many of us do other things, which is why I was going back to the restaurant thing. For me, that was my uh, you know, I was always, I did waitressing and hostessing and I was a receptionist. I had so many jobs. Like my resume looks fortuitous, but I also, um, I also did a lot of things that that's not on my website, you know, um, if I were to be like, oh yeah, look, I was on tour with Miley Cyrus, but I was also a receptionist at Todd AO in Hollywood. Nobody knew that. Did you ever get discouraged throughout your career? Did you ever feel like you needed to try something else? I have done quite a bit of pounding the pavement throughout my life. You know, wanting to, out of college, I wanted to be on Broadway. I moved to New York. I lived in New York. I auditioned for everything. I got called back for everything. I didn't get cast in most of those things. And there was a lot of disappointment there for me. And then, you know, you kind of have to pave your own way with one no, you know, comes a yes in a different form. I auditioned for Aida on Broadway. I didn't get the part, but the piano player liked me and said, do you want to come audition for Harry Belafonte? And I was like, sure. So then I went and auditioned for Harry Belafonte and I got a job as his backup singer. So it was like, you know, there, my, my lifelong dream of being on Broadway flipped to, okay, well, at least now I'm making money as a backup singer from, for, you know, a, an amazing humanitarian and activist. So I'm not going to complain about this, but it, you know, there's, but there's still that little thing inside of me. that's like, Oh, I wish I would have, you know, stayed in New York and tried just a little bit harder to, you know, so I don't know, maybe it's that kind of thing. Maybe it's, maybe I should just go back to New York and, but Broadway's not really working anyway. Damned if you do damned if you don't. Right. I know. So that's why I'm like, maybe I should just become a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look, I'll be 60 by the time I graduate from med school, but that's okay. As my no, un- as one of my uncles said, you can always just sell drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, uncle. That's really helpful. Um, how, how did you kind of get started? Uh, well, that, that was it in a nutshell. I went, um, went to college for musical theater, went to graduated, moved to, worked at a couple recording studios because I was still, this is the thing, I was still, I'm in college, but I'm still playing guitar and piano and writing my own songs. I got a record deal right out of college with MCA and recorded some stuff for them, moved to New York, um, still wanted to be on Broadway. I mean, I was kind of doing this chameleon thing where I was, you know, whoever wanted me, whatever, (laughs) whatever was going to pay the bills I would do as a singer. Um, and then I had this, you know, audition and the, the, like I said, the piano player was like, Hey, Harry Belafonte is looking for a backup singer right now. We're having auditions tomorrow. You should come. And so, uh, my, my agent got the materials and they were messengered over to me and I learned the stuff and I showed up the next day and I went through a series of callbacks for that, but I ended up getting that gig and that led to, you know, more opportunities um, for me, like I'm on an airplane going, I don't remember coming home from Puerto Rico or something with Harry Belafonte. I was sitting next to a guy who, when you're on the road, you always have luggage tags, numbered luggage tags. So it's like 
you know, maybe there's 50 people on the tour. Everybody gets a number, one through 50. And usually, let's say Harry's number was number one. And I was in the band, so I had number eight. And I had, all my bags had these tags on them. And the guy sitting next to me, whom I didn't know, had a numbered tag on his bag from a different tour. And it was a low, it was a low number, meaning the more important you are, the lower the number is. So I knew this guy's was like number two or something on his bag. And I thought, Oh, okay. I wonder who I'm sitting next to. And so I started, of course he probably didn't even want to talk to me, but I started talking to him and got out the information out of him. He's the tour manager for Brian Setzer. And I was like, you know, in my head, I was like, ding, 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 ding. You know, this is a good opportunity for me to network, although I hate doing it. But I started talking to him. I got his name or he, you know, he said he might be looking for a new backup singer in a couple months. And I was like, okay, great. You know, here's my info. And I followed up with him. I got the audition. I went down to some recording studio in LA, met Brian Setzer, sang for him, didn't get the job. But then six months later, they had fired the girl that they did hire and they hired me. So there's just another example of like, you know, right place, right time or right amount of, you know, the bigger the balls. I don't know. That was just me going, okay, I better say something to him. When you're auditioning, when people are looking for a backup singer, yeah. Like, I would imagine that they they want somebody who's obviously really good at it, but do they want them to not stand out too much at the same time? You, vo- you mean vocally or physically? Uh, both, I guess, right? Um, yeah, I don't uh, – vocally, you know, that's a eh, – that's a tough one. I don't know if I want to go on the record with any answer to that. Um, I think it, it depends. I think for – Look, for Harry Belafonte, I had was just coming out of college. The, I mean, he he must he has the biggest heart because I don't think I was really in an attractive place in my life. <laughs> like, I think I was wearing this is like during Kurt Cobain, like um, Doc Martens and Levi's and flannels. I cut my hair really short. I wore really dark brown lipstick. It was like the late nineties, and I thought you know, I probably had like 15 pounds to lose. So, but, but vocally, you know, I went in there and I I was the right one for the job as, as a singer. So, um, I, but physically, I'm not sure if it really, you know, they, they kind of had to do a little bit of, um, a makeover on me. I remember they took me to like the Mac makeup store in New York and I got makeup lessons and they bought me all this stuff and they asked me to grow my hair out. I was asked to lose weight actually, um, not specifically by Harry, but somebody else on the team thought that it wouldn't be a bad idea if I maybe dropped 10 pounds. That was the first time in my life I'd ever heard something like that. I think that then there are other jobs that I've had where I was asked to double the lead singer. So yeah, I had to be if just as good, if not better than the person that I was singing with. And then physically, I mean, you know, you kind of have to, you definitely don't want to Stand. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think anybody stands out that more than the the star that's on stage. I mean, <laughs> they could just they don't have to light you that much. You can be in the dark if you want. But then again, you know, a lot of those backup singers are a lot better than who their the lead singer is. Like, you know, I but I I know a lot of these people, so I really can't. Yeah, yeah, that I mean, makes sense. I think, right. I mean, there's a movie called 20 Feet from Stardom that really touches on all this stuff. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, it yeah, I mean, a lot of times the backup singers are a lot better than the person that they're 
behind, but that's, that's just the, you know, I've had a couple of those jobs too, where I'm, I'm just going, Oh my God, you know, you're just trying to help the person stay in tune that you're singing backup for. But there's definitely instances where the backup singers would be better than the the main singer. Oh yeah. I, a lot, I'm sure a lot of the time it's like that. I'm usually, I sing, sing backup for Catherine McPhee for years. And I still, you know, anytime that I would be on stage with her, I would just be standing there with my jaw dropped because her voice is so gorgeous. Just like, Oh my God. So, I mean, that's an instance where I'm like, Oh God, to have her voice, you know, like I don't sing, I, I don't sing like her, but I also, you know, that, that, you know, you can't sing, if you sing backup for Celine Dion, you're definitely, you're probably not better. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that makes sense. That makes, yeah, like there's, there's probably some people that are kind of studio creations and then there's ones that are like, oh, wow, they are a whole yeah, nother level deal. above. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if there are really studio creations anymore. I, I mean, that, cause the, the music business is so different now. I, I don't really know if I've given much thought to that, to be honest, because we're all up there. Even if somebody's not the greatest singer, like to be to be really honest, I, I think Billie Eilish is super amazing and and a genius and talented and all of those things. But do I think she's the most amazing vocalist? No, I mean she's. I think she's just got a package of all of this stuff. These amazing these songs, and she self produced all of those and. You know, there, there's a whole thing there, but do I, you know, I, I don't think it's that hard to, you know, do, do some of that kind of singing is like, eh, okay, you know, I don't, but she can't, but I would, you know, sing backup for her in a second, you know, cause she's, she's an artist and that's, um, valuable. Are you ready for some of the harder slash listener submitted questions? You've been a part of, let's see, Harry Belafonte, Miley Cyrus, Billy Ray Cyrus, Catherine McPhee, Cheryl Crow. Of all the tours that you've been a part of, which one was the funnest tour for you? Uh, um, I'm going to say Miley. That was uh, just, I mean, those being on tour with Miley is, is like an upper echelon of touring that I hadn't had a chance to do yet. Um, just flying private and being in like the most amazing hotels four seasons and, you know, staying in these hotels and go, we really went around the world, which, um, and I had done that with, with other people as well, but I think Miley, the group, the band, we were all kind of a little family and, um, there were only, I think seven or eight of us. And it was, you know, it was fun. We had, we had some really good, good times, good tour bus parties and stuff. It was at a good time in my life. I was, um, newly married, but, um, having, you know, just, just feeling like you're kind of in your, in the, the swing of things, you know? Yeah. Kind of prime of life, so to speak. Yeah. The world. 30, like 30 years old and just sort of really in, in you know, no kids yet, no major responsibilities. The, the, like the world is yours kind of, I know, I yeah. know what the feeling that yeah, is, yeah. right? Like everything's kind of clicking was when, wait, which tour was that one? Was that the wrecking ball tour time? Or this that- one, uh, wonder world, uh, Miley world, wonder, uh, I think it was Miley world or wonder. No, M- wonder world. I'm calling it Miley world, but that's not right. Uh, this was like 
the tail end of the Disney stuff. So we did the climb, which was from her Hannah Montana, the movie. Uh, we did uh, Party in the USA, and then Wrecking Ball was after. Okay. So this was a tour like right before that stuff. This is right before she she the hair she she went uh, rogue. <laughs> that's yeah. That's like right. That's kind of before she got really, really super famous, but also when she was kind of in her prime before people were like, Miley. I mean, she was super famous when we were on tour there, but it's a different group. There were so many screaming kids. It was just kids and like glow sticks for days and miles. And it was amazing and stuffed animals and like all sorts of stuff. And I haven't been on tour with her in years, but I'm sure it's a totally different group of those kids now grew up, you know, they're in their whatever they you know some of them are in their 20s because she's she's what in her 30s now i think so so low or or 29 or something she was like 18 or 19 when we started when we were on that tour together it's been 10 years so when you go on these tours is it like people imagine like rock star tours we're just having fun all the time and alcohol and drugs and crazy stuff Um, or is it i mean there's definitely a little bit of that with yes but it's it, there's a lot of hard work though that i think people don't don't realize that we're also doing like <clears throat> for example we maybe wake up at let's say 4 a.m for a lobby call you drag all your stuff down to the lobby you go you get on a bus or you whatever it is you get to an airport you get on an air the first flight out at seven you fly wherever you need to go if it's you know sometimes it's like an not a private plane it's just a normal flight and then you know you get on and you land in detroit and then you do as you know you go directly from the airport over to sound check which at the venue so it's like two o'clock and you do some kind of sound check for a couple of hours and then you might maybe have like an hour of downtime and then you go and you have dinner then you put do hair and makeup you get ready to go you're really tired. So at some point you probably tried to catch a nap, whether that was on your tour bus, if you had one or in the, in the, like I've, I've literally taken folding chairs and put them together in a row, like four of them in a, in my dressing room and like taken my, I used to take when I with Harry, I used to take my costume was so big. It was like this big floofy dress with different ruffles and stuff. And I could lay it over my body like a blanket and fall asleep like that. Or if it was winter, I would just use my winter coat. But like that's, you know, you need, if, if you, there was no couch, for example, in the room, because a lot of these are like locker rooms for at stadiums and stuff. They're not like cushy dressing rooms. The artist now has like, they have all their furniture and stuff, but you know, I'm just, we're stuck in some room that like maybe some hockey team was playing in. So anyway, you take like four folding chairs. So you do that, you get a nap, you go, then you get, you maybe you go have dinner, you go, you do your show. The show's over at 11 o'clock at night. And then you finally get to go to bed. And maybe that's only for like five hours. And then you have to get up again and do the whole thing over again. If it's like, if you're flying around or sometimes you fall asleep on the bus and you wake up that next morning at 7am or something and you're parked in Las Vegas where your next show is and you haven't taken a shower yet and you're not going to take one on the tour bus because nobody does that, but you have to wander inside the venue, find your, find a cup of coffee if you can. I mean, it's, there are parts of it that are very that can be rough, you know, you're, you, there, you, I don't know how to explain There's, if you need food, you know, there's sometimes there's food on your bus, but sometimes, you know, you have to get an Uber and go find somewhere to eat breakfast because there's no breakfast on your bus. There might be some 
cereal and milk or something. Uh, but then there are moments where you have a couple days off and you're put up at a Four Seasons in, say, um, St. Louis or something. And, you know, you get to go and just see the town for a couple days, which is lovely. And then that night you'll probably go have a nice dinner with your band and, you know, go to the pool or whatever. You know what I'm – so it's – it's but there's a lot there's a lot of hard work there. That traveling stuff, the scheduling, the lack of sleep, the lack of food. You don't really know when you're going to get it from where. I used to just have snacks in my bag all the time. That kind of stuff. Um, even down to like when you're going to do your laundry, you know, I would wear my underwear inside out if I had to, if I didn't have a chance to do laundry. Because you're either doing it at the venue in a washer and dryer that you find, or you have to find the time to go to a laundromat and do your clothes, which is also not that glamorous. So, you know, it, it really varies. Or you throw down 20 bucks at the next hotel that you're at if you have two days there and you let them do your laundry, which I also used to do. Or you go buy yourself some new clothes and just leave the old ones in a hotel room. I would do that too. Get so tired of wearing the same things, I would just leave them somewhere. Go here. Here's some jeans. I'm tired of these. <laughs> Favorite song that you've been on? Favorite song that I've been on? Um, I sang on, uh, well, I sang on Lady and the Tramp, the remake of that recently. And we got to sing some of the original cues over again, which was um, like a really amazing moment for me. That was a, one of my favorite movies as a kid. So I would say that stuff. I also sang some of the demos, so I didn't get to sing. Uh, it didn't go final or anything, but I got to sing all the, uh, he's a tramp and I love him. He's a tramp, I adore him. You know, all that. Um, Janelle Monet ended up doing it for the movie, but uh, I got to sing all the demos for it, which was like really cool for me. So this one's kind of interesting. Um you don't have to say if this person is good or bad, but person who is least like their public perception. Uh, person who is least like their public perception. That, I don't think I've worked with anybody that's not quite true to who they are. You know, and obviously you've done a lot of backup work, but you put out some solo stuff as well, right? Yeah, I have, um, I, I have a couple different records over the years, but, um, I have a couple singles that I put out recently. I did, there's one called human. There's another one called the wreck. Like these are just songs that I write and then I, we produce them and I just put them out just because I feel like I need to keep, keep the wheels turning, you know, the other stuff, which is my, my own creative stuff. It, it was, you know, always more of the dream for me to be, the lead singer, not the backup singer, but you know, life works however it works. Um, and I did put out a record, which is super close to my heart, uh, called Lullabies, which is, um, I did a duet with Billy Ray Cyrus on it actually. And that's on iTunes also. Um, that's a whole other story, but it, the proceeds for that record go to the polycystic kidney disease foundation. My, um, ex-husband and I had a son who died from polycystic kidney disease. So at the time that all of that was going on, I wanted to do something uh, kind of healing for myself. I felt like I had singer's block, like I just couldn't make sound after he died. And there was a good uh, year where I was kind of 
you know, it, not silent, but just couldn't sing. It made me want to cry every time I had to sing. It just brought up that, that emotional stuff. I guess singing in itself can be very emotional. And um, anyway, so I, I decided uh, to make a lullaby record. And I that's that's another thing that I've done that's there. That's my solo stuff. Pretty much all the questions that I have, honestly, we kind of covered everything else. What's coming up next for you? Well, I'm going to be doing some banana bread later. and um, mm, That actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> Can't go wrong with banana bread, I'm honestly. I'm going to be cooking some banana bread and dinner for my four children. Uh, I'm singing on – I'm doing some uh, home record stuff. It's a lot of hard – it's a lot of work to that we've – you know, been so grateful to have, but there's, that's, uh, you know, just that kind of stuff, you know, you're given a song and they go, okay, sing it. You have to record yourself now. So now not only am I supposed to have my voice on this, I also have to engineer it. And, um, you know, that takes, and you know, kind of self-produce the vocals. And so it takes, it's a whole other skill that I've, luckily I learned how to do some of that a few years ago when I started doing voiceover work, but now we're like, everybody's recording from home. So it's, there's a real learning curve. I want to thank Sarah so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we've also included her information in the RSS feed that's on this podcast. I just think that her story is so fascinating because here you have someone that has just been a part of such huge musical and entertainment moments. And there's so much that happens behind the scenes that you just don't know about. And I think that she just has an interesting perspective on all of those things. Okay. Now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. But before we do, I want to make a quick note. What we're going to talk about, this is just hypothetical We're just having fun. We're not trying to minimize anything or anybody. It's just a hypothetical conversation. Hola, senor. Uh, Do you consider yourself to be a law-abiding citizen? Yes. You have to be. How many different crimes do you think that you've committed? Somewhere around 20 in my entire life. All right, just give me a quick list of crimes that you have committed. Without knowing the terminology, I'm going to screw this up, but I'll try. Uh, let's see. Assaults, battery, stealing, driving while intoxicated, open container, uh, other kind of paraphernalia in a vehicle, though it wasn't mine, but I still would have gone to jail had I gotten arrested. Resisting arrest, running away from police, which might be the same thing. Oh, no, that's fleeing and eluding. Um, uh, vandalism. Yeah, I guess, I guess there is all kinds of things that I could have been arrested for. Yeah, if you really think about all the illegal stuff you've done, it actually kind of amounts to a lot. Because, <laughs> like you, I'm sitting here thinking, like, all right, drug possession, selling of drugs, minor in possession, falsifying <laughs> government documents, creating a fake ID, speeding, driving under the influence, operating large machinery under the influence, stealing a car. <laughs> Assault, battery, public disturbance, nudity. Like, it's really a lot. If you think of all the crimes you've committed, it's actually probably a lot. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, wow. I guess I never thought of it it that way. I mean, 
I could also add like public indecency because every time you pee outside, right? If you get caught, that's what you're getting charged with. Right. If you were ever 18 and hooked up with a 17 year old girl, like you're, that's illegal. I think. I don't know. You could be a pedophile for that. Pedophilia. You're on that. <laughs> right. Like how much? How much porn have you downloaded off the internet? That's theft. Right. <laughs> Cyber crimes. That's a whole different kind of ball game mm-hmm. there. Right. Okay. If you had to pick one of your crimes that you're most proud of, no matter how bad it is, which one is it? Do you have one that sticks out that you can say over probably, the podcast? I'm probably stealing a car. That would be the <laughs> one thing that I would be like, look, that was pretty illegal. I probably should not have done that. But I'm also like, I stole a car. <laughs> like, I've never I've never stolen a car. Is it is it really like a high you get when you're like, you know, doing it? Well, see, I was just. It was one of those things that you do while you're while you're intoxicated that you didn't really realize what you were doing. Like, so I was just walking through a parking garage, me and a couple buddies, and I just walked up to this car and opened it, and the keys were there, and the car was open, so we just took it and just, like, drove it a couple of blocks and then parked it. But in reality, you've stolen a car. So, I mean, it's Grand Theft Auto. It's Grand Theft Auto, right? Like... <laughs> You're just like, hey, man, we're just doing a prank. Like, no, you weren't. That's a Grand Theft Auto, sir. You're going to jail for that. And you're probably drunk or inebriated or high or something. Yeah, I mean, none of it was a good decision. I think I was like 18. I, I've i never stolen a car, but maybe this maybe this will convince me to at least try it. That means I'm a hardened criminal. <laughs> Got to get a face tat. Or the barcode. I don't know what's worse. I don't know what kind of prison tats are, like, welcomed now. If I don't think any prison tats are necessarily welcomed. I mean, I think that, look, if you've been to prison, that's probably a big enough black mark on your record that you don't need to add a prison tattoo to that black mark to just let everybody know, right? Like, you should probably try to downplay that aspect of it. Yeah. Wow, all right. Well, I uh, I started off this conversation thinking I wasn't uh that bad of a uh criminal now i'm thinking that i'm like borderline medium like i've done some things in my life yeah i've i've gotten to a beer bottle fight like what if i what if a piece of that glass would have went through their jugular now i'm going to, to jail for murder it's really kind of incredible when you think about it just how how easily a law-abiding citizen could basically end up in prison like it could <laughs> happen in a flash you just have a couple of bad moments, man, and you're going to San Quentin. <laughs> All right, let's see here. What do I got for Mr. Vincent? Stop it, God. All right, I'll stop it. I'm sorry. All right, let's see. Let's give some shout-outs. Uh, start here with Nick. Moving on to Timothy. Thank you very much. Brendan, Morgan, Joey. Going to move on to Isaac, Allison, Andrew. Balin and Ignatius, which I, I assume that's their, their real name, but it probably isn't. But appreciate y'all checking us out on the uh, the social interwebs. I'm sure, we'll have all kinds of great stuff coming up this week, especially with this conversation about how much of a criminal we are. Uh, so my questions are actually based upon, because I'm smart like this, uh, uh, criminal activity, Nick. So the first thing I want to know is, say you were sent to prison would you rather be put up with like the worst kind of cellmate and that can be whatever you hate the most in a person or would you rather be in solitary confinement? Oh, I'd rather be by myself, I think. 
I had a feeling you were going to say that, and I don't. I don't think. I don't know, man. I solitary confinement for like twenty years, or just having to put up with a you know a person that you probably can just kill anyways. <laughs> I mean, I really? Know. Like, what's there to lose at that point? Well, how much time am I doing? Right? Am I in solitary confinement just all the time for a certain amount of years? Or we'll we'll say we'll say five years. Either way. I mean, you would get pretty lonely, I think. I probably would just kind of bunk up with the person that I didn't like. <laughs> You'd have to be Little Spoon, though. God, you would get brutal and never mind. Oh, no. Prison would not go well for me. I'm I'm a... For people who've never seen me, like, I'm too good-looking of a man to go to prison. <laughs> right? Like, I'm going to have a hard time. It would not go well for me at all. And I'm not big enough to really do anything. This <laughs> is going to be a rough... It would be a rough stretch. Even if that stretch was like 30 minutes, it's not going to go well. <laughs> but you are kind of smart, though. Like, I feel like you could weasel your way around to making alliances with the right people. Yeah, but that's going to, that's the long game. In the short game, <laughs> it's not going well for me. <laughs> uh, all right. So the next question kind of le- leeches off of that one. Say you were sent to prison for life. Would you be okay with that like living your life in prison forever or would you just want them to end it like are you going out say you just murdered seven people and the cops are drawn in close are you just gonna go out in a blaze of glory or are you just are you gonna go to prison for the rest of your life how much thought did you really put into these questions a little bit i don't know i mean more than more than 30 seconds each i would say so yeah probably like a good 45 minute minute and a half tops okay all right shows but look, you made the effort. No, dude. I mean, look, I'm not gonna go out in a blaze of glory. I don't think that you and I both. I used to work in the news business. You still work in the news business. There's not really a lot of people that actually go out in a blaze of glory. Like that's a movie thing. Most people get found like hiding in a trash can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen. Uh, now that I read this question out loud, um, this is nothing to like, you know, say shoot up law enforcement this is just like a theoretical question i feel like i should put that out there with the state of affairs right now yeah good um but yeah i agree with you most of it is like right barricaded situations where someone has a gun half the time they're not there or they're sleeping like no one goes out in a blaze of glory i agree with you no not in reality all right what's your next one (laughs) my next brain buster yeah mr van Oh, um, oh. Say, say you're stuck in solitary confinement and you get one hour outside a day alone. What would you spend that one hour outside doing? What do you mean? Just outside, like outside, but I'm still in prison or I get to go outside the prison? Like you're outside in the yard, you know, with the weights and the basketball or whatever. Like, But what's the one thing you would make sure to try to do every day if you got one hour, just one hour outside? Well, you got to get a workout in. Because you need to be physically healthy in order to continue to be alive, basically, I, I imagine. <laughs> See, I feel like if I would go to prison, I would just continue what I'm doing now and just let myself get so grotesque that like no one would want anything to do with me. You know, I've seen a... I wouldn't say a lot, but I've seen a number of prison documentaries. There's not really any fat people in prison. I mean, not huge fat, right? Like, I don't think you have that kind of access to food. Yeah, I mean, that's true, too, I guess. <laughs> I guess we're going to slim up pretty quick. Yeah, I think prison gets you in shape, right? <laughs> One way or the other. Here, have some sloppy joes. 
Okay. Wow, are we done? Is this? Oh man, that moved fast. I mean, I, we we're having fun on this episode. At least I'm having fun. Well, we just had, those... you know we kind of had to just move through it quickly. <laughs> I mean, we are talking about prison and committing crimes, which you know, I guess that's what this podcast is about. That's hey, cool. look, that's the way to do it. Uh, so our top five is top five things or top five crimes you could see yourself committing. Right? What's your number five? Uh, mine's lame, but uh, I have um, having like an open container in a vehicle. Ooh, really? You're 30 now. Yeah, but you know, I, I still like to have a roadie from time to time. Or if you're, you know, going somewhere with your your friends or you're, you know, going to a party around the block or something or, or whatever, like four or five blocks away, you know. You know, and you're you're too stubborn to say I'm going to take an Uber or a or a Lyft. I'm just going to drive there. It's only a few blocks away. You put your beer in the console. Next thing you know, the corner cop gets you, and you know, dumps your beer out on the side of the street and tells you have a nice day. Well, let's just say that that's highly discouraged. I mean, I would say that's probably something you should really stop doing, and not a good idea at all. I mean, there's Uber. Uh You could walk. Like that's (laughs) the one thing crime that I like. I don't understand why anybody would do that at all at this point. Like when we were growing up, there wasn't that kind of stuff, and you just found yourself doing those kind of things. Not necessarily that that makes it okay, but nowadays, man, just call Uber. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I this is like a theoretical list. I mean, I'm not saying I, I currently engage in these activities. My number five is just speeding. I think that everybody's basically going to like how how fast over the speed limit are you driving? I mean, I, I always go five to ten over uh, on average. I used to go five to ten, man, but I've been getting, I've been hearing stories of people getting dinged for hit pushing up close to that ten. So now I sit, I sit basically at about seven miles over. <laughs> okay, I mean that's, that's still, I, I have speeding on the list too, but mine's, I have that number three on my list. What's the least amount of over the speed limit you've been pulled over for? I've actually been pulled over for going forty miles an hour on a freeway. <laughs> Why? <laughs> It's a long story. I'll try to make it a minute. I was dating this girl on the west side of the state of Michigan, and I would drive over to her place at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon when I was working midnights. So I would drive, you know, with no sleep, three hours to work in Detroit, and one night I fell asleep on a local freeway. I wasn't hitting anything, and I was just going down the middle of the road going 40, 45 miles an hour, and I got pulled over by... The Livingston County Sheriff's Department. You fell asleep, but you were still driving? Yeah, I, I, I legit. I mean, it probably was only for 15, 20 seconds, you know, I was zonked out. But, like, I I didn't hit anything. Uh, oh, I, I, give it time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? You look back on it, and it's like, shit, like, that cop probably saved my life. Um, oh, yeah. But he did, uh, I mean, he did put me through the ringer. He did not believe I had not been drinking, even when I blew zeros and all the other stuff. Like, he was really trying to get me, but I guess being tired isn't a good excuse anymore. What kind of car were you driving at the time? I feel like this makes a difference to me. Why am I imagining, uh, like, an Oldsmobile? <laughs> uh, no, this would have been, uh, I don't. I forget what year, but it would have been a Chevy Trailblazer. Hmm, okay, all right. <laughs> Blazing trail at 40 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah. So I've actually gone like 30 under, so. 
Wow. Wait a minute. How many lanes was the highway? Are we talking just one lane going one direction, one lane going the other, or we got multiple lanes on each side? It was, it was, uh, it was three on each side. Holy, you, holy crap. That's yeah, I was in the incredibly illegal and really a bad idea. That's like a major highway. You're sleeping on a major highway. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that, that happened. That was, uh, the relationship didn't last too much longer after that. And then, uh, I want to say two or three weeks later, I, I, I hit a deer on the same stretch of highway and I pulled into to my place of employment and my entire front end was gone. Was there still blood on it? Yeah, there was hair and blood in, into the, you know, the grill and the radiator and all that. And, uh, Another employee came out and was like, bro, did you, like, get into a car accident? I'm like, no, I just had a deer. It's happened to be the biggest fucking deer in Livingston County. Why didn't you try to clean it off a little bit? Uh, because I was already an hour and a half late to work, and I needed to get, I needed to get there. Okay. Did anybody think you hit a person? Uh, if they did, they didn't say it then, but there was a lot of... <laughs> oh, my God, it sounds terrible. Uh, there was a lot of hair on the grill, so if I did hit a person, I would have hit Fabio or something. Okay. Man, you are shady behind the wheel. <laughs> That's funny, because my number four, which I believe we're on, is uh, Road Rage. Oh, yeah. I never um, get Road Rage. I really don't get mad at other drivers. Not really. That's the one crime I, don't, I couldn't see myself committing. Uh, I mean... As well as it's well documented on this podcast, I often, you know, bitch out uh, in things in parking lots. But man, for some reason, I, I I cop an attitude sometimes when I'm on the open road and people are being douchebags. Okay, hard ass. <laughs> He's either guy. You're like a ninety year old man. You're either yelling at people or falling asleep. Yeah, that's pretty much what we're established. I was I was twenty one or twenty two when that happened, by the way. So that's I was a young man. Shameful. Uh, my number four is just tax evasion. Not <laughs> see, I I thought about putting that on, but I I don't think I, I would be too worried, right? Because the government actually gives a shit about you paying them money, so I don't ever want to mess with that. See, I think that my thing would be not purposefully doing it, but like accidentally doing it. Like, hey, you can't claim that as a dependent. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? I, I mean, so you're not talking about like Wesley sniping, snipesing it where you just don't pay. You're talking about like maybe inadvertently messing up and getting a little more back than you actually should be. Like, I didn't put my IRA on there. You know, and then you next 20 years from now, they're like, sir, you haven't claimed this IRA that you didn't know you had for 20 years. You owe us $400,000 or you're going to prison. Like, oh, oh crap. Dude, out of all, man, could you imagine that? Like in 10 years, the government sending you a letter calling you and saying, hey, you owe us $1.3 million or you're going to jail for 10 years. Let me, let me insane. I, I got a letter from the IRS one time. That I had somehow like double paid my taxes, and but I didn't realize that I had actually double paid it. I thought I owed them money, and I was freaking out. You're a smart guy. How did you like? How did you double pay? And you didn't know. Used to be that you could kind of save a little bit money if you estimated what your tax burden would be for the year ahead, and then you went ahead and paid that now. So that's what I okay. was doing at the time. 
I don't think that you can do that anymore. I really don't know anything about taxes. I may have just been illegally doing stuff. Let's just move on to number three before I self-incriminate. <laughs> uh, mine, mine was speeding. My number three is speeding. Uh, my number three is anything related to a like kind of a group category would be like protesting, public disturbance, anything along those kind of lines where like, hey, there's a cause you got to stand up for and you got to go out into the streets. Like something along those lines. So my number two is uh, disorderly conduct. Okay, that's kind of what my number three would be, like yeah. disorderly conduct. Yeah, like, you know, protesting or like say you're like a Buffalo Bills fan, you know, and I put you through a table and we both go to, you know, jail because we're just being assholes in public kind of thing. Uh, please don't disrespect the Bills Mafia like that. That's not yeah, being assholes. Say, in, that's not being an asshole in public. It's being a Bills <laughs> fan. That's what you're supposed to do. I don't even think the police even exist in the Bills tailgate area. <laughs> like how how much of a blind eye do those guys take to everything happening around them? <laughs> I mean, the police are probably just like they see them doing stupid shit, and they're just like, ah, oh, well, there's those assholes again. Right. They're probably just filming it. They're probably the ones filming it. Really. <laughs> Uh, What's your number two? Drug possession. And not okay. necessarily like hardcore illegal drugs. So I live in Seattle, Washington, which has legalized marijuana. I could see myself like just getting picked up because I go to Iowa or Idaho or someplace that doesn't have it. Like you're at the airport and like, I'm sorry, sir. You forgot these edibles <laughs> in your bag. Like, oh, crap. First off, why would you ever want to go to Idaho? Idaho is beautiful, man. You never been to Idaho? They got great skiing out there. Why don't you try to educate yourself about the world? <laughs> Listen, I know plenty about the world. I know that I'm not gonna go to Idaho anytime soon. Have you ever been to Idaho before? No, I never have. Okay, well, if you actually saw Idaho, you'd be like, "Oh wow, that's kind of nice." Idaho or Utah? Got him. What's your uh, my number one? No surprise is public intoxication. <laughs> I didn't even have that on the list. I should have though. That should have been on there. But what do you have to do to get, I mean, does anybody just get straight up arrested for public intoxication? Like, hey, you're drunk. <laughs> I know you're just walking down the street minding your own business, buddy, but you can't do that. No, I mean, I, I doubt it. Uh, if, <laughs> if you do get arrested for that, then the cop that's arresting you has had a real bad day or something. Yeah, you've really done something, right? Like, you did something, they couldn't prove it, so they got you on this. <laughs> I mean, you know, when, when I think of public intoxication, I think of like, you know, running out into the middle of the street and jumping on top of a moving car that's coming at you or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like really doing something, being yeah. drunk shenanigans. I wouldn't. They probably so used to it, man. Can you imagine all the stuff that honestly cops probably look past all the time? Because I'm, I'm in the, that business, the news business. I think all the time about what these officers have to face. I do not envy them one bit. I, I, you know, I don't think it's a job that anybody should take lightly. Uh, my number one is assault. <laughs> With or without your sword? Um, the sword's in my cross track right now, so I try to keep it away from where oh I keep it God. normally. You have a sword in your vehicle? Yeah, dude. You don't know what you don't know what crazy stuff's gonna happen on the streets. You gotta be ready. No, I got two boys running around the house, man. I can't just keep a ninja sword in my house. 
So I put it in the car, like any responsible sword owner does. <laughs> oh, we had some good times with that sword. Not mm. that anyone listening to this cares, but uh, we had some good times with it. Uh, All right, honorable mention time. Uh, let's see. I have uh, uh, not having proof of insurance because I, for some reason I misplaced that pretty much. Uh, unpaid bills, taxes. Um, and then I, I, I put on jaywalking because I'm lame. I almost got arrested for jaywalking once when I was a high schooler. No, I was in eighth grade. This cop was pissed. Because you jaywalked? Yeah, I didn't. I was visiting Chicago as part of a school trip, and being from Kansas, like you've never been to a big city, I didn't understand the rules, and I just kind of started walking out there, and apparently that was highly illegal in the middle of downtown Chicago, and that was one really angry traffic cop. <laughs> <laughs> but did he walk up to you and he was like, "Son, back up, or I'm taking you in"? Oh, he used a lot of choice words. Against <laughs> like a, a little kid. Yeah. He was mad. I don't know. Maybe I looked older for my age. Uh, My number, honorable mention, I got theft, right? Because I download a lot of free stuff off the internet. Like, that's eventually going to come back to haunt you. Um, Public intoxication, I could see that. See, I don't don't think downloading is going to get anywhere. I mean, you and I grew up in the Napster days and all that, and... How many people actually got prosecuted for downloading all those files illegally when it wasn't a thing? I never actually heard. Yeah, I heard of those one people. Like, I'm going to make an example of this one person that we've managed to catch yeah. in the 40 years we've been investigating this. But I never actually heard of anybody really getting in trouble. I mean, I, I think it's in the back of most people's minds, right? Like, but I think everyone still does. And I don't, wait, I don't think there's a way to you know regulate it. Not that I condone it or anything, but... What else do I got? That's about all the laws I really know, honestly. <laughs> I was really wondering which one of us was going to put murder on there, but I'm glad we both stayed away from that. I mean, with kids, like, I could never see myself killing somebody until I had kids, and now, like, now I could see it. It would, <laughs> it would, it would just be manslaughter, though, right? Like, they'd have to do something that I would probably, a jury would let me off for and be like, well, shouldn't have done that to his kids. You got what you deserve. Yeah. Um all right, so let's 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 make a prediction here. Of the things that are on each of our lists, which one do you think that I would get arrested for and which I'll say which one I think you would get arrested for? That's on your list? Yeah. Uh definitely the drugs, I think. For you. I think yours is probably going to be road rage. Cuz it's going <laughs> to happen eventually. It's you're going to snap eventually. <laughs> I mean, probably. Oh, okay. That's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. What do you think you could get arrested for? And look, I, I understand that some people might right, think this conversation is, is, is not appropriate or offensive, but I'm firmly of the belief that man, you don't know where life is going to take you. You make a couple of bad decisions, and there's not much that separates you from somebody in prison. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.